Today on The Topping Show, Bud Light makes a new cam design, but will it boost sales? Alex Jones claims the deep state will try to assassinate Donald Trump. Aston Martin teams up with an EV company. YouTube may launch an online gaming platform. Infinity is debuting a new logo. IBM to buy Aptio for $4.6 billion. Ron DeSantis is embracing mainstream media. Ex-Navy SEAL is running for Montana Senate. And Lordstown Motors is currently filing for bankruptcy. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see the founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, if you need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have IBM buying Aptio for $4.6 billion. Now they're going to be purchasing the company from a private equity firm by the name of Vista Equity Partners. Aptio is a Seattle-based company founded in 2007. Helps companies manage and understand their spending on cloud services and offers functionalities such as IT budgeting, forecasting, and financial analyst and financial analysis. Now, this is perhaps one of the best acquisitions that IBM's done. IBM is one of those companies where they've been around for hundred plus years. They will always be around. They have a very good track record of adapting to whatever the consumer needs and telling them what they need before they need it. That's one of the reasons they became such a huge business company and so successful. Now, more and more businesses are transitioning to using the cloud for all their IT infrastructure. So if you're not familiar with the cloud, rudimentary speaking, instead of having a computer on your desk like this, you would have it in someone else's data center where they own the building and you just connect to it and that trend is becoming more and more prevalent as companies are trying to offset their upfront costs. They want a month-to-month cost, and there's a lot more scalability when you go to the cloud. The only restrictions is, what's living on your credit card? Now, the downside is predicting those bills. It's, I know everyone says there's tools, but for a lot of people, it's just a crapshoot. You really don't know. And it's especially true when you try to get your data back. That When you're trying to get your data back from AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, that's where Amazon makes an astronomical amount of profit. So trying to actually forecast, the CFOs want to really win them over more times often than not with the cloud, you need to show them you know, historicals and this tool will help them do that. So it's a pretty good idea. Now, Aptio, I mean, I, it was a pretty good acquisition. IBM specifically said it was, there's a lot of things the company does was because their cloud capabilities and their automation capabilities, both big trends in IT. And IBM claims they're gonna finance the deal with cash which shows how much money some of these tech companies just have. They've got billions of dollars just in the bank. Well, well, realistically, banks don't really have money. They just print money with magic. And back in the day, they actually had to keep your cash on hand. Now it's it's such a, it's a big ratio. You give them a dollar and then the bank could magically make seven to $8 and them sell those loans, yada, yada, yada. Now this is interesting as IBM, like many other tech companies, they said they're actually gonna be cutting and decreasing headcounts. So they recently announced that they're going to cut about 3,900 jobs in order to, again, all these companies are trying to bolster their profits and just weather the economic uncertainty that is the United States right now. Other interesting business news, you have Infinity debuting a new logo. Now, interestingly enough, I did a little LinkedIn poll, asked people, what, in your opinion, is the most luxurious Japanese automotive brand, which 
If you think of the top Japanese automotive companies, you have Honda, which their luxury brand is known as Acura. You have Toyota, which makes the most reliable cars ever. And Toyota famously has Lexus, that's being their luxury brand. Then you have Nissan, and their, I, I tried not to laugh, but I still kind of did. Their luxury brand is Infinity, which, of course, when I did the poll right now, it's got about 200 votes. And about 70% of the people said Lexus is the most luxurious one. About 15% said Acura, I believe 5% said um, Infinity. And of course, you always have that cop-out answer of, you know, other slash comments. So yeah, a bunch of people just click that because they want to see the results. And then some people just commented as well. But yeah, look, Nissan and Luxury are two very, you really don't correlate the two. The company barely stood afloat. The, the last CEO saved them from the brink of bankruptcy. And part of the ways he was able to do that, as well as consolidating the brands, like French company Renault, I believe, there's a couple of companies that combined together with Nissan to stay afloat. But the only way they could possibly keep it in business was laying off a bunch of employees and decreasing the cost of materials in the vehicles. So that's why if you've gone to a Nissan vehicle, I, I'm sorry if you have had that, um, I don't know if that's a disprivilege, if that's a word, but if you had that experience, I'm usually sorry for you because every all the materials are just poor quality. So you have Nissan, which is the big company, and then they have their smaller division or their brand, Infinity. And they had the Infinity, I think it was G36 or 35. They had a couple hits throughout the Apple, their, uh, the band's albums, some might say, but they really struggled because at the base core of the vehicle, it's usually a Nissan, which again, it's not, they've gone down in reliability and quality throughout the years. I mean, the top automotive Japanese companies are, bar none, Toyota and Honda. So it'll be interesting to see they changed the logo, so now the logo is 3D. So they, they instead of having a little triangle, they they actually made they bent the little triangle arrowhead. And of course, I'll put that in this thumbnail of the. If you watch this video as a highlight, I'll throw the thumbnail on there for the for the YouTube channel. But it'll be interesting to see now specifically the automaker. They increase the spacing of the word mark below the emblem, which also said which also they claim it will visually accentuates the horizon. The company will update its logo on its cars with a three-dimensional illuminated, illuminated emblem with the, road flow, with the road flowing over the horizon into the grill. Now again, another thing these automotive companies are going to have to contend with or figure, figure out is what do they do when they have to redesign the grills because as the governments force them to become more and more EVs because emission standards, it's a de facto ban on gas cars, they don't need grills. So it'll be interesting to see from a branding perspective where they start slapping those logos on because you really don't have much need for a traditional grill because you don't have that radiator there. But time shall tell to see how this rebranding does. If I was Nissan, which again is a parent of Infinity. 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 Wow. It, it's one of those things where like, I actually asked my friends like, who like it's the most unknown luxury brand if you even it's a stretch to call it a luxury brand with affinity like you just don't think of it so i don't think just slapping a new logo on it isn't going to do hardly anything really they need to accentuate and emphasize this type of materials they're putting in the vehicle try to increase the reliability rating come out with some new innovative designs really shock the world you don't know really shock the world right now call me crazy but three pedals Come out with a sports car with a stick shift and a gas engine. No one would expect that, least of all from Infinity. If they could come out with like a competitor to the Cadillac CTS or the CTS V, a competitor to like a sports sedan that's also luxurious, 
Make it a V8. I mean, no one would see that coming. That would get some people talking about the brand. As opposed to just putting on a new logo and coming out with this more of the standard copy-paste vehicles. And again, when you're trying to elevate a brand, make a Halo car. Make something that is astronomically different. Ford did this partially to debut the Ford GT. It got people talking about the brand, talking about their engineering capabilities, and it showed at the pinnacle what can they do, which, in my opinion, elevates the whole brand in general, not just that one Halo car that they make. That would be a great sign to turn Nissan around and Infiniti around. I don't know. I certainly don't expect they have an exponential amount of resources to work with, but they need to do something different, and time shall tell. And I'm trying to pontificate and a little more emphasis on my voice. That's been another. Really appreciate everyone taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment in the YouTube videos. Really helps out the channel, and eventually we'll get better and better over time. So appreciate your feedback, especially. Now, other interesting business news, you have YouTube may launch a online gaming capability, which, good. They need to do something different because YouTube is bleeding money year after year after year. Now, they're not at a loss. They make an unfathomable amount of profit, which they took decades to get to. But on average, every year, they're losing about 2% of their ad spend, meaning the advertisers are spending about 2% less with YouTube every single year. So they need to radically, they need to do something to reverse that trend. Especially right, right now, you have big competitors. You have Rumble, which is gaining in popularity because they don't censor people. And you also have Twitter. And Elon's got not as much money as Google, but he can put some money behind that. And Twitter's starting to have full-length videos. Even Tucker Carlson, he put a video on there, his first new episode of his new show, got over a hundred million views in less than a day. So YouTube is starting to have some competition. They're thinking, how might we be able to differentiate from the competition or provide more things that the competition does not have? Now, this is right now, according to an internal email that was leaked to the press, and Google is famous and notorious for starting projects and then just letting them fall to the wayside. Rest in peace, such as, as an example being Google Fiber, when they, tried to, when they wanted to get into the ISP or internet service provider business, they have a lot of projects that just kind of fall to the wayside. Now, potentially this new product is going to be called Playables, which is, I don't know, that sucks for marketing. That's, it sounds like a crappy kid's meal or like, I don't know if that's a new target audience or like a kid's game, but Playables just sounds silly. It, although it has the word play in it, so you kind of know what it is. Now, they claim that this is going to be compatible with both desktop as well as mobile devices, including Apple and Android, which de facto, you kind of have to have. That's majority of the market. There might be three to four people still running the good old Blackberries. But this news is also coming after Google recently shut down their cloud computing gaming platform called Stadia. Now, the reason they shut it down is because they claim that they didn't have enough users. And this is also a weird pseudo video game console-esque. You had a special controller for the Stadia or Stadia, and then you connect it to your smartphone and you play video games online. But I think Google found out one of the most difficult industries to break into is video gaming. Microsoft was able to do it thanks to some brilliant engineers that stayed up all night and had that little experiment that became Xbox. But when you look at video game companies, they've been around for decades. I mean, you have, right now, you basically have three, realistically. You have Sony with their PlayStation model. You have Nintendo with currently the Switch. 
and you have Microsoft with the Xbox. And they usually take some losses on the video game console. They make it up on back end with video games, accessories, and what have you. But if Google can somehow integrate that into YouTube to become a major platform, you did have Amazon purchase the streaming platform called Twitch, which is, I, I don't know if that's a parody of the people who are on it where they Twitch a lot, but is apparently a video, big video game streaming platform because video game streaming and video gaming is a huge, huge industry. Amazon bought up that platform. It'd be interesting to see if, why doesn't Google just do that where they have increased the streaming capabilities around video games? That would be maybe a way to poach or take some clients over from Amazon, Web, Amazon with that. But we'll see, it's another interesting Google product. But again, given their track record of letting products just crash and burn, I wouldn't be placing any money on this idea anytime soon. Other interesting business news and somewhat sad news, you have Aston Martin claiming up, they're going to they're gonna team up with American EV manufacturer Lucid. Now, it's as dumb as it sounds, and I'll explain why. Now, Aston Martin is perhaps the greatest well-known Great Britain automotive brand in history, bar none, in terms of luxury and performance. All the other ones are dead. I mean, Austin Healey used to be a great little car. MG, more of an entry-level, fun little car. I suppose Aston Martin at one time used to be more affordable, but... Aston Martin is handmade, beautiful craftsmanship. You got V8s, V10s, v, or sorry, V12s. This is a company that gave folks a coupe V12 with a stick shift. Uniquely, beautifully engineered, beautifully designed. The exteriors are a staple of Great Britain culture. It is, it is James Bond's car. It was the car that Sean Connery drove back in the day, and it cemented the cultural icon of British spies using British vehicles. It's one of the coolest things. I mean, one of the most famous articles I read about, like, people who... One of the articles I read when it comes to Aston Martin and people who actually drive their cars, which a lot of celebrities just buy them and park it on the street, which... That's gotta make some, that's gotta make some engineers cry when they see, like, a Lamborghini Aventador or a Lamborghini just parked in downtown Chicago knowing it never goes on a track or above 28 miles an hour. Now, famously, Martha Stewart actually has a stick shift Aston Martin that she daily drives, which, you know, controversy aside of her past, that's pretty cool to actually daily drive a stick shift Aston Martin. And this whole community, we're actually, there's a, well, another reason by automatic versus, uh, or sorry, stick shift versus automatic. A couple of Aston Martins had such an issue with the automatic transmissions failing you actually send it back over to the great britain they'll swap it out with a manual transmission recondition the car send it right back to you great phenomenal automotive culture and now they're partnering with lucid which is a i say the word luxurious with quotes is luxurious american ev manufacturer and most famously make an ev sedan for two hundred thousand dollars Plus, of course, you have to pay sales tax. So depending on where you live, let's average it out to about 10%, so 20 grand in sales taxes. For an EV that, again, with the current technology we have, that's not gonna last more than, what, four or five years? Like, again, the batteries is the Achilles heel of the technology and, the, and the, why EVs right now aren't in great long-term ROI. It's just, it's disposable. I'm sure we'll get there someday, so calm down the comment section. Technology always moves quickly. But right now, it's the most expensive, cumbersome component of the vehicle. And 
again, that's why I don't think you'll see a lot of collectors and car culture guys buying these thinking they're going to drive it for 30 plus years or collect it because I compare it to the iPhone. Like, do you ever, when was the last time you played with your old smartphone? How do you get a new battery for that? There's a lot of unknowns. Now, S. Martin's going to pay Lucid about $232 million in a combination of both cash as well as shares to the publicly traded S. Martin company in order to gain access to their technology. So just to gain access to their vast amount of EV technology, they're paying, paying a, basically paying $232 million to open up that vault. Now, additionally, they're going to spend another $225 million on drive train, powertrain components so they can make Aston Martin DVs. Which again, no. It's just ridiculous. Especially if they try to go 100% into the EVs. There's rumors on which type of vehicles this is going to go in. But if you're paying for a... No one ever paid a premium for Aston Martin because of the 060 to time or the top speed time. You're paying for the luxury of having a big engine with a, trans, with a manual transmission, in my opinion. That's a, well, that's a big selling point. And you're paying for the styling and the handmade. I, having something that's handmade and electric, it, it's basically a computer. Are there handmade desktops? They're, they're hand-assembled, but how many people appreciate that? It's few and far in between. I mean, I don't see this being a good long-term solution. And also, Lucid isn't really a big industry leader. They're a luxurious EV brand, and whether they're profitable enough is a whether they're going to be around long term is a precarious question in and of itself. They've had issues. They have a bunch of pre-orders and they have some cash, but a lot of these EV companies, they're not all going to make it. We just saw. I mean, I mean, Lordstown Motors just said that they're going to bankrupt. So time shall tell to see if this is a good partnership. But in terms of Aston Martin long term, I, I don't think it's going to be a good idea. But time shall tell. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Alex Jones claiming the deep state will try to assassinate presidential nominee Donald Trump. Now, this is also coming off of news of Robert F. Kennedy, who is currently running for president as well. Robert F. Kennedy said something to the effect of he needs to be aware of what the government did to his uncle and his dad. Unquote. Now... Obviously, JFK, many people speculate a single person didn't kill him. And there's still more de- more classified documents that were supposed to de- be declassified, and yet the government refuses to release them all. There's a lot of speculation of what happened to JFK, and there's more questions than answers, especially the bullet theory where the bullet that they claim to kill him, if you look at it, it was it clearly was never fired. Because if you ever fire a bullet... As soon as it hits something, it deforms ridiculously because, again, a bullet is just a piece of lead with a copper jacket. Well, that's the usual bullet that's fired. So that, that's, in terms of the theory around JFK's, that, how he met his demise, that's a couple of things that they highlight. And it's very unusual in terms of culturally, and again, this is Alex Jones. He, he did not, I don't think, he did not cite a specific source right now. And the only thing more concerning about what he says is the fact that some of the things he says turns out to be right or true, which again is pretty interesting. And he's kind of backdooring his way to the cultural lexicon and a lot of the media interactions. All the media companies and all the tech companies rather, they all simultaneously just banned him at once. So he couldn't have his own channel on YouTube, but he's starting to appear as a guest 
And previously, I thought those videos were getting, um, you know, blacklisted, delisted, deleted, in fact. And it appears they're allowing those videos to stay for now. How long that'll be effect, I'm not too sure. Uh, even Elon Musk, who claims to be the, the beacon for free speech, even he did not like Alex Jones back onto Twitter, citing Elon's emotional connection with the Sandy Hook massacre where Alex Jones had one of his conspiracy theories about the incident. And Elon took a very emotional, knee-jerk reaction, in my opinion, to Alex Jones' opinion on that. Again, I don't agree with much of what Alex Jones said, but he's an individual, he's an American citizen, he has a right to his free speech. And I think it's a good litmus test of if you believe in free speech, should he be able to have a public voice or public opinion or not? It's a good litmus test to ask your friends and see what's going on. Now, for the first time in my life, we actually have two presidential nominees where there is concern around them meeting their demise, which is unprecedented in my lifetime when I've been following politics for quite some time, ever since, since I was a youngster, so to say. And you might, there, there are a lot of visceral debates and there are a lot, there's a little bit of a smack talk, some might say, but you really didn't say any concerns around your life like we're seeing now. So it's interesting that this is the first time we're seeing that. And Trump is actually running on a campaign of saying he is going to go after the government via the deep state. And his definition and most people's definition of the deep state are people who have alert, worked in the government for an extended period of time and they don't have accountability in regards to they're not elected, they're not voted upon, and there's very little ways they can actually get fired thanks to a myriad of reasons, including tenure and public, public sector policies. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but this, and the government is actually, they're charging Donald Trump with all these camp, um, with all these lawsuits and actually going after him for all these improperly handling of classified documents where no one else was being charged. Hillary Clinton was not charged. All, on the right, you had, who's the milk toast politician? Mike Pence, he was not being charged. Obama, like no, none of the presidential um, VPs or presidential nominees, uh, none of these political candidates were actually taken to court for the same issue. So that's a big discrepancy a lot of people are starting to notice where he's being targeted and charged when the same charges were not applied to other people who did the same thing. Time shall tell to see if that sways and gains Donald Trump more political points, or if many people are just going to believe that he is guilty and they should prosecute him to the full extent of law, even though, again, they did not do that for the other presidents as well as presidential candidates. But time shall tell. Other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light debuting a new design for their can to commemorate their 10th year anniversary of uh, sponsoring a pride parade over in California, I will say California, Canada, which California is kind of like Diet Canada. It's, it's right next door. And culturally, you see a lot of the policies first enacted in Canada usually trickle their way down to California. California has been that's one of the most uh, populous states in the United States. And then those policies kind of trickle over to the rest of the United States. So in terms of cultural phenomenon and politics, there are a lot of ripple effects where you see even marketing campaigns that happens in Canada, then they usually expand it. So it is a fascinating little chain reaction, some might say. Now, this is specifically the Anheuser-Busch Bud Light entity known as Bud Light Canada, which I give it a marketing A+, because that just, it says exactly what it is. It's the Canadian uh, division. Makes sense. Sometimes you don't have to be too fancy when it comes to your name. Hence the Topping Show. Short, straight, easy, to the point. I'm Topping. This is the show.
Now, Bud Light Canada had noted that they sponsored their uh, sponsor for, or actually they quoted, Bud Light Canada has been the proud sponsor of the Pride Toronto for the last 10 years. This year, we're commemorating this milestone with a Pride Toronto by features theme, our can design, unquote. They continued to say, quote, Bud Light Canada is excited to once again celebrate and support the LGBTQIA2 plus S plus. And I don't think I did a typo. I, yeah, LGBTQIA2 S plus. I, again, a lot of this is new to me um, in terms of the specific vernacular. So I think I, I think I wrote that. Okay, so nevertheless, oh, let me get back to the quote. Sorry, so he said, Bud Light Canada is once again, um, is once again celebrating the, in support of the LGBTQIA2 2S plus uh, community through Pride Toronto's annual Pride celebration and parade, unquote. Now, it's been done for 10 years, and for the first nine years, I never even heard about it. There really wasn't a lot of murmurs, or literally wasn't a lot of additional media attention. It was kind of the status quo, and it wasn't really controversy. Now, this year, there's more and more videos of it coming out, partially because of the Bud Light boycott. These things are being highlighted more, where I don't think they were in the past. Now, in this one, they specifically noted that, or they didn't say this, but people saw this, there were many people in their birthday suits, or rather lack there of any suit at all. Which again, when it comes to special celebrations, as a wise man once said, suit up, Ted. Suiting up is cool. But yeah, they not only did they not have suits, so they get announced for fashion, they, they wore nothing, nothing at all. Now, this is again, on a public road, on a public street, you have naked people pontificating and uh, gyrating and doing acts. And the criticism this year is that some of these videos show that there are children in the streets seeing this activity. And the parade also had a big Bud Light truck. They, um, the, the truck that they actually used was a Dodge Ram, which the puns write themselves, people. I, I mean, you, you can't make this up. They used a Dodge Ram, which, I mean, if I were less classy, I, I, I wouldn't say this, but some might say public ramming is not conducive to a good time. I wouldn't make that joke, but some might. Now, this video, again, shows, a specific video came out showing a group of naked men um, in front of a child. So, the big reason there's a critique and a boycott, partially, is because you're involving children in this, these activities, and I suspect this will only fuel the current Bud Light boycott that's going on. Interestingly enough, and I appreciate the comments, there's actually some comments on a other Bud Light video I did, where you have a couple people in the UK and other countries starting to embrace and join the boycott as well. Now, why on earth you would live in the, in the UK and have Bud Light as a beer option, I find abhorrent. I mean, they have good local beers there, I assume. It'd almost be like going to Rome and eating McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong with McDonald's, but, or going to Italy. And, like, it's, it's a bizarre thing to see certain American brands, like, abroad in certain situations. But, interestingly enough, I think you're not going to see a huge decrease in their sales because of this alone. I think not, their stock is going to crash because of this news. Because again, it's been 10 years. The delta, or why people are paying attention now, is again because of the involvement of the kids at the parade. So I suspect it'll, you'll get just add a little bit more fuel to the fire. 
and the boycott will just continue to get a little bit worse. And maybe, again, this is, um, there's a lot of speculation on their long-term business plan. And if the LGBTQ continues to grow at the current growth rate, it might be a prudent business decision long-term. There's a lot of speculation on the growth rates of that community. And if that community will embrace Bud Light with a high enough um, adoption rate to make it a long-term profitable business idea. I think there's a lot of speculation, a lot of critique on long-term ROI or if they're even smart. That, that's the theory of is if they made a, if this wasn't an accident and they were thinking of a long-term plan, that's the plan that people are thinking they had. Whether it will work, that again, time shall tell. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Ron DeSantis embracing the mainstream media, which, again, it kind of goes back on what they were all running on, where, you know, they all critique, well, when I say they, I should say, many on the right critique the mainstream media, because they do, they have an obvious bias towards people on the right. You're never going to see someone on CNN saying anything nice about Donald Trump, which is always a good kind of test with, when you meet with friends and acquaintances. If you want to talk about, if you want to gauge their their personality to see if they can have an eloquent decision or, or rather discussion around politics or philosophies. If they can't say a single negative thing about the person that they adore or the person that they are voting for, they're just in a cult. Like you, if you can't critique yourself or your own party or your, someone you're voting for, or if you can't name a policy that they even have, they're just, they're brainwashed. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Cause again, everyone has flaws. I mean, some people embrace their flaws. Some people try to work on them. But to say that, oh yeah, my candidate's perfect. It's like, well, no, no, really? R really? That's the best you can vote? No, no, obviously not. No candidate is perfect at all. Now, getting back to Ron DeSantis. Now, when asked, you know, why are you, uh, why are you pivoting or uh, why are you pivoting on this issue or this stance where when you started off, you said, I'm not even, I'm not even going to, many of them said they're not going to even bother doing interviews on those platforms because again, those platforms are set for you to fail. They're going to take everything out of context. I mean, you saw this with the BBC and Andrew Tate. They just take things out of context. They frame it in the most worst possible light. You're not going to look good going on their platform. However, the issue is they have the massive audience that you need, including people in the middle who still trust. I don't know who's, I, I can't imagine, but they are some people who trust legacy media. Now, going back to DeSantis, he said, quote, you look at the swing states, President Joe Biden is ahead of Trump in them. But I bet I beat Biden hand, handily in the swing states. That's ultimately the, election, ultimately the election right here. DeSantis also noted that the GOP nominee has to win the swing states and that, quote, if you don't have a path to do that, then nominating doesn't make sense, unquote. Which is true, but instead of wasting time on the legacy media in terms of political chess move, go to alternatives that don't censor you like Twitter, where, again, he kind of fell flat on his face because his presidential announcement, he, again, didn't use video, which a video is a majority of communication. Majority. If you read any book on sales, speaking, anything at all, when it comes to standard communicating, they'll tell you 90 plus percent of all communication is visual, which is why pontificating with the hands is awesome. Give Trump. I have to give Trump credit when it comes to the positives on his political campaigns. He knows, he knows how to use the hand gestures, the best, the best. No one uses it better than me. Not even Ron DeSantis. I'm sorry. 
I might have just broken your earballs, but that was an attempt at Donald Trump's uh, voice. I'm here all week. Although I also live in the studio, so I'd be here anyway. Nevertheless, Ron DeSantis is going to go on these platforms, which are going to show him in the worst possible outlook. And he's not going to, he, even if he reaches the people in the middle who still tune into those networks, it's not going to be a positive light. He's not going to be framed in a positive way. So I'm very skeptical. In terms of a political chess move, I don't even think, I'm skeptical if this will even get him an additional 1% in the polls. Because again, you're going into the most, you're, it's an uphill battle. So if I were him, I would try to embrace different media outlets and absolutely go to the swing states, spend time physically there and highlight that with your campaign videos and put those videos on multiple platforms. But in terms of going on, like if you were to waste, if you were to go on like the view, I mean, he probably lose some brain cells. So there's that, that's, that's a little bit bad right off the bat, but I don't see him really swaying a lot of the audience members. He could, it's one of those things where it'll happen if he goes to new media platforms. I don't, I'm skeptical of this current plan. Uh, other interesting political news, you have an ex-Navy SEAL running for the Montana Senate, Mr. Tom C. Now, Tom noted that, you know, people asked, of course, you know, why are you running? Which, it'd be kind of funny if someone just said, eh, because I wanted to, or I think I can. They, you, you always have to, Again, it wouldn't make it, it'd be a bad political move on the chessboard. Like it, it'd be silly because it's a chance for you to say your ideals. But some some of these opinions or the, these reasons are just I swear copy paste. Now, when asked, you know, why are you running? He said, quote, from inflation to our border to our deficit, America is ready for a change. And I think it's time for a new generation of leaders to step up. Leaders who understand servant leadership, which is putting the mission before yourself and leaders who understand how to get the results, unquote. Now, in terms of political messaging, perfect. That is a great political message. That's that's a good old move on the chessboard or the political chessboard. And if I sound pessimistic, it's just because I've heard this so many times. Every nominee, uh, especially on the Republican side of the aisle, they'll say the same thing. We're tired of these things. We need to fix them. And even when they get the power, when Trump was president, they Republicans had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. I know you might be able to blame the rhinos or the rhinos, which is a pejorative term, the Republican in name only. They didn't pass a single pro-gun legislation, which again, if you're Republican, that, that's a, a big issue that drives people to the Republican Party. It's kind of a de facto win for them because politically speaking, Democrats want to ban them. And that's not a superlative or hyperbole. I mean, Biden and I believe as well as Kabbalah, they were saying they want to ban a specific gun because it's black and it's an AR-15, it's semi-automatic. Have we had semi-automatic guns for over 100 years? Yes, we have. But it's one of those things where he's saying the right things. I, I want to believe him. Although I'm not in Montana, I can't vote for him. But he has a couple positive, positive things from going from him. He's a veteran, so he gets a plus there. Anyone who serves our, anyone who serves our country, I'm grateful for. They've done more than many have. And I'm gracious for their, their service. He's also an entrepreneur. He owns a company by the name of Arrow Firefighting Company. Now, his current bid is to unseat the current Democrat senator by the name of John Tester. And he's doing, and again, when he asked, you know, why are you doing so? He quote, noted that, quote, American are underrepresented. They're tired of government that they feel isn't working for them, unquote. Which again, absolutely. Yes, that's correct. 
But it's one of those things where if they follow through on it, how much can they get done? Ted Cruz, famously, he campaigned with the same political ideal, which it worked. He got elected, I believe it was a moderate, it wasn't an overwhelming majority uh, margin of victory, but he got in there and even he admitted there's a lot of rhinos and there's a lot of reasons he can't get things passed. But at the end of the day, those are just excuses. What you need, in order to really affect change, you need to elect many of these people. And perhaps I'm jaded just because I don't see a lot of the things that they promulgate come up for. Ted Cruz has done a couple good things on the on the Second Amendment pol- uh, side or topic, so to say. And he has had some good debates and he does grill, so to say, or question nominees when he's going through those processes. But time shall tell if, if they can really affect change. I hope they can because I think a lot of people agree we do need a change. Now, Montana is already being watched pretty close for the Senate races next year, along with the races over in Arizona and West Virginia. Those seats are one of a handful that are expected to control the chamber majority in the next uh, next Congress. So there's a reason this race does matter. It's kind of cliche. Every politician says this race is important, which if you're American, every race is important because it's part of the being American is voting and having a, having a, not a seat, but having a, a vested interest in your political freedom and your ideals. I always tell people you're paying taxes. You should be voting. I mean, that's, there's one. There's not a lot of benefits these days of being a U.S. citizen, but that's one of them. Is you get you get to vote, and hopefully you vote for things that have the great impact on your life, and you know, hopefully decrease your taxes, maybe empower your business, local businesses to operate a little bit better. And time shall tell. But it, I mean, currently right now, we'll we'll see how how Tim does. And again, it's always great to have competition. That's made people fight for your vote. I mean. That's one of the greatest things about it. And just like businesses, when there's more and more businesses, they have to fight to earn your business. Politics is pretty darn much the same thing. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Lordstown Motors. They are declaring bankruptcy. Now, they're a Ohio-based EV truck manufacturer, well, attempted manufacturer, and their stock actually peaked at $618.75 per share. And that was on August 12th, 2022. Now, this also should be a business blunder and awakening for people who keep investing in these EV companies and tech companies with zero hard data or hard evidence of having a stable business. At that time, I don't even think they even produced a single bloody truck, which Maybe they had a prototype, but they weren't delivering these trucks. But it's just the fear of missing out, the FOMO. People thought this was going to be the next Tesla. And of course, Tesla famously became one of the most successful companies in history. The only startup automotive company to be successful in the past 100 years was Chrysler. And that was a long time ago. And even they bit the bullet, unfortunately. And they sold out to European company uh, Fiat last time they went bankrupt and fiat then rebranded where it is now known as stellantis which it's a holding company similar to general motors where they own multiple brands with stellantis owning multiple brands across the globe so tesla is a huge automotive achievement and everyone is chasing that high because they want to invest and win because they missed out on that that's my one of my theories of why so many people are throwing money at these new automotive companies and ev companies when they're not stable 
Rivian is more stable than this company for now. They're actually sending units out finally. So physical products are being shipped to the end users. And some people might say, oh, these are tech companies. They don't need a physical product. They're collecting data. They're doing all this other stuff. Tesla is. These other companies, they are. there's a tech part to the company. I understand the logic of them being treated as a tech company, but they also need to make money. And I know companies can lose money for quite some time, but you need to be on the right path. And with Lordstown, you had multiple companies investing foolishly, and it was a maybe a heartfelt story. You had General Motors that was shutting down this automotive plant and someone wanted to step in and save those jobs. And at the time, I thought it was a great thing because, again, we, we all want to try to support each other, make sure we all have jobs, so we pride for ourselves, our family, our community. And this was them taking over the old General Motors plant over in Lordstown, Ohio. And they found this company back in 2019. But you also had multiple analysts looking at this company and even critiquing it back then. So you had Hindenburg, which... They were the company that broke the news and broke the story around the BS company known as Nikola, which claimed to be a hydrogen-based truck company. And it turns out Trevor Noah was just a, or was it Trevor Noah? Trevor, where was his first name was Trevor. He looks like a douche, but uh, pardon the French or medical term. But it turned out to be completely vaporware. So Hindenburg has a track record of breaking these stories and actually getting down to the nitty-gritty details and knowing. What's really going on with these companies is all vaporware, which is a pejorative term in the IT industry where it doesn't actually exist. It's just an idea. Now, during the last analysis, Hindenburg criticized Lordstown Motors by saying, quote, no revenue and no sellable product, which we believe has misled investors on both its demand and production capabilities, unquote. 110% correct. And again, now their stock is about is under a dollar. It's fluctuating, but they said they're going bankrupt. They're desperately looking for a buyer. And a lot of people are starting to point to the partnership with Foxconn. Foxconn is perhaps the largest unknown electronics company on the planet. A lot of people don't know them, but you interacted with their products, I can guarantee it. Not only do they manufacture a large, great number of components that actually go into the computers and the cell phones, what have you, they also assemble, they make the iPhone. That's probably the most famous contract that they've gotten over the years. So they're a huge multinational electronics, electronics company and they assemble many great things. And they thought since, you know, EV vehicles have a lot of electronics in them, they thought, hey, let's do a partnership. I believe they put about $400 million into the Lordstown Motors EV. And they had some contingencies with the company. Apparently, if Lordstown EV didn't keep their stock price above a dollar, then there'd be some contingencies for Foxconn. And they're actually blaming each other for the demise of the company. So, of course, there'll be full stories and lawsuits. We'll know more over the next coming days. But it's not too surprising to see this company just crash and burn when they, they didn't have enough capabilities or cash or actual resources to put together these trucks and really get them shipped out to all these end users. So it, it is sad to see. I mean, the odds of someone swooping in and buying them, I think, are pretty low. I mean, they, it's already a precarious situation. We have so many people invest in the company, all these different partnerships and why would you do that when you just buy out a more successful company at least Rivian Rivian has a little economic uncertainty with their cash flow and their deliveries but they are producing units and they're successfully delivering them to end users which in terms of a business and EV and automotive business that's the biggest hump getting that product out for the first time that's a huge milestone hitting that milestone Rivian has showed it's 
it can do it. Now they need to show they can do it on a bigger scale and profitable wise. But when it comes to Lordstown EV, perhaps it's just an age old saying or age old issue of you know, over promising and under, under delivering, but it is sad that they're going bankrupt, but all this has gotta be the business builder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. Cannot thank you enough for taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly help out the video. Trying to get up to 3,000 subscribers this month. It's going to be a big milestone and can't thank you enough for supporting us. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.